0: Like you don't measure up to what God is expecting from you. Maybe you think that you aren't growing in your relationship with God. Like uh, you wanted to as fast as you wanted to. Or uh, maybe there are moments where you believe that others have reached a higher plateau of spirituality. and, And that... You've lagged behind in some of that. Religion is usually responsible for those feelings, these doubts that we have in our lives. Religion is man's attempt to reach God. Christianity is God reaching man. And so, no matter where you are in your walk with Him right now, that's the starting point for where you go. It doesn't matter; He is not going to look back and say you're you're not keeping up. He's going to be there every time you turn and you look to Lord, where are we going? What do you want me to be doing he 's always going to be there, ready to walk. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in first corinthians one nine God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our lord now he 's writing to the Corinthians, but it 's to all of us. Those letters were distributed far and wide, and now they speak to us as if they 're written to us today they apply to all of us and God called them into fellowship and God calls us into fellowship into a relationship with him through his son Jesus Christ we are the called and most people who don't have a relationship with Jesus are trying to win their way to earn their way into heaven through the works that they do by trying to be good people they feel like they can work their way to a place where God will accept them into heaven. I tried that. It it lasted for about 13 seconds. It, I can try as hard as I want, but uh, I realize after trying that it was a failure. That really all of my best efforts aren't even close to being able to earn me uh, even an audience. Uh, Not even an entrance, but even just the idea that I can maybe see or hear what God has to say. So there are many that believe that works is going to do it. They may believe in God, but they're the ones that are basing their relationship with God on what they believe, not what he says. You see, he gave us the word of God so that we can know for sure what the truth is. So we can know how to have a relationship with him. Have, have you ever built some of that Ikea furniture? <laughs> you get it home, you know, and the booklet is this thick, you know, to build it. And and phew, I can do this. And you lay it all out and everything. And, and after, it's like, oh, that's a really nice couch. It's a wall unit. It, it's a wall unit. And, oh, okay, I'll, I'll start over. It, it's the fact that the instructions are important, especially when it comes to our relationship with God instructions are important because he's the one that laid the relationship out. Paul is now writing now you have to remember Paul was a Pharisee he thought he had it down as a Pharisee he thought he knew what a relationship with God was like and everybody was supposed to be listening to him and so Paul now has been a Christian for 20 years as he's getting ready to, to write as he writes this letter to the Roman church In other epistles, he writes to churches, and he's addressing them with the issues that they're having. As he writes to them, he's addressing them about problems within the church, things they may have written to him about, uh, things that he may have seen in the church. And then he left, and now he's writing back to them to remind them of what he taught them during that time. He hadn't been to Rome, so he hadn't had an experience with the Roman church yet. But he's writing to them, not about the church itself in Rome. He's writing to them. This is his letter that is going to establish the foundation of what we believe about Jesus Christ. This is... A letter that stands on its own. It was written to the Romans, but it is applied to everyone who calls themselves a Christian. And it applies to us today. If we had only one letter out of the whole Bible that needed to explain everything to us, this would be the letter. It would give us all the information that we need. So as we go through this, we'll see that. We'll see how Paul wrote this, and it is exactly what they needed to hear, what we need to hear also today. As we study this book, we'll be challenged to live lives of righteousness for God from what we read and hear. Today's message is titled, You've Got Mail. (laughs) Paul had never been to Rome, as I said, and neither had any of the other apostles. Uh, Paul wrote the book from Corinth around 57 AD. Before he went to Jerusalem, before he was put on trial in Jerusalem, he had written this letter. Um, Rome was mostly Gentiles. There were some Jews there, but It was mostly Gentiles. And there wasn't just one Christian church in Rome. There were many Christian home churches in Rome. Small groups, small pockets of Christians that got together on a regular basis. So now we're going to start in verse 1 in Romans chapter 1 where we read Paul. So he identifies who's writing the letter. He started off right away with his, why, we we always sign at the end of the letter, when we sign a letter and we put our name at the bottom of the letter, he put it at the very top. Well, that's what all letters back then were written in, because they were written in scrolls. So if you got a scroll, and the person wrote at the end of the letter, they'd have to Oh, it's from Paul. Okay, roll that thing back up, and now we're going to start the letter. No, instead, you start the letter with the name of the person writing the letter right at the very beginning. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. A bondservant. Well, a servant is someone who serves a master for a period of time. Sometimes it's because they went into debt. And they owed the master money. They can't pay him back. So they serve for six years. And then they would be released in the seventh year. That would pay off their debt. And they'd be free and clear. Uh, the thing is, is that some of them liked working for the master. They got treated well. Every All of their needs were met. And they said, Master, I'd like to stay with you. So the master would take the servant and put their ear against um, the doorpost and they would use an awl and they'd pierce the ear. And so I don't know why we still don't use that today um, in, in ear piecing. I bet you there'd be a lot less ear piecing the ear piecing, you know. and they, they wouldn't have piercing everywhere all over the body because, you know, if that's how they did it. But anyway, a bond servant of Jesus, meaning that he is committing himself to Jesus forever. When you're a bondservant, you're a bondservant forever. So they would put the hold, they would hang a, 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 an earring in the ear, and that's, he belongs to him. When Paul says he's a bondservant, he is a bondservant forever of Jesus Christ. He has committed himself completely to Jesus. Folks, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a bondservant of Jesus Christ. If you don't feel like being a bondservant of Jesus Christ, you might not be a follower of Jesus Christ. You might not be part of the family. But we... Because we are believers in Jesus Christ and followers of Jesus Christ, we became children of the living God. We're inherited into the family. And we're there for eternity. No one can take away that inheritance. Called to be an apostle. Called means that someone called him. God called him. To be an apostle. Apostle is someone that is sent to do something. A messenger is someone that has a mission. And so he was called and then given a mission from God. He was called to be an apostle separated to the gospel of God. Separated not from something, but separated to the gospel Of God. So that means that his calling is to be doing the work of the gospel of God, and that's his primary mission in life to be sharing the good news of the gospel. Well, we also are the called of the Lord, and so we also have a mission. In life, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That's every believer has that. That's a calling that's been placed on every one of our lives. And Paul is just calling it out, laying it out for us, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. God sent prophets and made promises. To us in the scripture about what was to come. The Messiah, everything about him was promised in the Old Testament scriptures. Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies when he was born and lived and did the miracles he did and died and was resurrected from the dead. That's the gospel message. Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies, impossible for anyone else to do. Impossible even to do 10, but he fulfilled 300. So to be sure that it was the right person, the one that the Old Testament scriptures speak of, you would have to see something like that. You would have to see someone who was able to fulfill everything. Not, oh well, he, he was born in Milwaukee, but you know uh, it was near Bethlehem. You know it, it doesn't fit. He had to have fit uh, all of the prophecies to uh, be valid. So, um, so he, uh, which he promised his. Um, through his prophets and the holy scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. So he fulfilled everything that he was supposed to fulfill as the son of God, and he proved who he was by resurrecting from the dead that was the evidence that was the final proof that was given there wasn't anything more that he needed to do at that point because he fulfilled everything that he needed to fulfill at that point of rising from the dead no one else had been able to do that that proved him to be the son of God and so when People say, you go over to um, Israel and there are many people who say that he was a good teacher, but he wasn't the son of God. Well, that would mean that he was a liar. And if you're a good teacher, how can you be a liar? But he claimed to be the son of God. He said when he was asked... You know, are you the Messiah? And he responded, I am. He let them know that he was. He didn't do it every time he was asked. But when it counted, he did. And he let the world know that he is the Messiah. So, through him, what he's done... Through all the scriptures that he fulfilled, we now receive grace. We receive something from him that we couldn't ask for. We couldn't generate ourselves. Works cannot generate grace. There's no amount of work that we can do that would qualify us to receive grace. And Paul knew that himself. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Well, the grace and apostleship was given for obedience to the faith among all nations. There were two nations back then. Jews and everyone else. Everyone else would be called Greeks, but everyone else. And so when he says to all nations, he was referring to the fact that Gentiles, us, have the same opportunity that the Jews have to be in a relationship with God. So this was... Blowing everything out of the water that was already established by the Jews. They thought that the only way to have a relationship with God was to become a Jew. And once you became a Jew, then you could have a relationship with God. And here's the steps. Here's what you had to do to become a Jew. And now you can be saved through that. And Paul is out there saying... No, none of that's true. This, God changed the plan for the rest of the world. For the Jews also, they can join in. But there's a new covenant that we live under. We celebrate once a month in communion and we share bread and juice. And and that covenant is us remembering the cost of what Jesus did. He became the ultimate sacrifice. And he said, hey, this is the blood of a new covenant, which is given in his blood. So it's not the blood of an animal, which was good for a year, and then on the Day of Atonement, a priest had to go into the Holy of Holies and atone for the sins of the nation of Israel. Now, the um, covering is not a covering. It's a forgiveness of sin by the blood that was shed from Jesus Christ. Because he had the pure blood that one time, once and for all, all he had to do was shed it one time for us, and that would have been good for eternity. For everyone. Well, everyone who accepts The blood, everyone who accepts the gift that he provides. You see, it's by grace we have been saved through faith and not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. And a gift is not something that we hide. When you receive a gift, if someone gave me a Lamborghini as a gift and I just let it parked in the garage and I didn't bring it out, people wouldn't know. I could tell them, oh yeah, I have this Lamborghini that someone gave me as a gift. Really? Where is it? In my garage. Well, let me see it. No. It's going to degrade the value if I open the garage door. But we've been given a much greater gift than a Lamborghini. And we've been given the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so because of that gift, um, we should be showing it off, driving it around. Here I am. I'm here. Here is the Lamborghini. Everybody would say, where did he get that? He can't afford a Lamborghini. We're donating too much. (laughs) (laughs) None of your money goes to me. So you can be sure that you're not donating too much. It all goes back to the church. But if I had a Lamborghini, I'd be showing it off. And I do. I have what's better than a Lamborghini. I have Jesus Christ. You do too. And so showing him off is what Paul is calling us to do. Uh, to go out there and reveal the grace that God has blessed us with by faith by living it so that people can say, wow, what's different about him? Her. What, what is different? Your life has changed. You know what? Sometimes it takes years before you get to the point where people take notice. That's okay. But keep living it so that people do take notice. Live in such a way where they'll see that there's a difference between how we worry about stuff going on how we listen to the news and don't get panicked you know how we plan for the future you know and, and are we planning by hunkering down and storing up hey I don't have any problem storing up and being prepared because we could have an earthquake here and you better be prepared, you know, You know, have have some provisions and stuff like that. But I'm not preparing for the long term because I believe Jesus is going to protect me and take me out of here before the bad stuff really starts to happen. You think this is bad. This is nothing compared to what's going to happen. You read through Revelation and you hear what is going to take place in the future. And it's like, you think there's going to be global warming? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to get hot. You know? But you know what? I'm not concerned about that. And I'm not trying to lead people to Christ by telling them about, the coming trials and tribulation. That's, that's not... It's good for us to know as believers, to know the full word of God. But that's not how you leave, lead people to God. You lead people by the love of God. You know, and that's what draws them in. A lot of the people... I, I really believe there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the land right now. Uh, we We see pop-up revivals and stuff like that going on and, and and stuff. I don't even think that is the work of the Holy Spirit in, in perpetuity. It's not, that's not all of it. I think the work of the Holy Spirit is happening to people around you in their lives, that the Holy Spirit is starting to soften their hearts. And that's where we shine, That's where we share the good news with them and tell them, hey, there's hope beyond this, you know, because of the love of God. You know, well, what about all the other religions? What about them? They can come too. They can believe in Jesus too. You know, Jesus isn't an exclusive club. He died for the whole world that whosoever believes will not perish but have eternal life, and, and so that really needs to be our attitude when we go out there in the world. Even that person across the street that we hate, the, the one that parks their car and blocking us, and you know, and their trash can is always falling down, and the javelinas are over there feasting, and <laughs> even those people, you know, uh, they need Jesus. And uh, Jesus loves them just as much as he loves us. And so we can reach them. So Paul, in uh, verse 6, he says, Among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. That's us. And then verse 7, To all who are in Fountain Hills, beloved of God, called to be saints. I know it doesn't say that, but... it means that you know all who are in Rome, well, Rome was a Gentile city. it, it was uh, a, a big city, a major city where you know, people were um, getting saved and starting churches and, and, and growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ. but um, we here are the same way. We have the opportunity to share the love of Christ with our community around us. And that's what he's saying. He's saying to all of you, beloved of God, called to be saints. Now, if you're called to be a saint, then you believe in Jesus Christ, then you are. You are a saint. You're called to be a saint. Now, a saint isn't someone designated by a church that says, okay, you've reached sainthood. A church can't qualify me to be a saint. The only one that can qualify me to be a saint is Jesus. And when I believe in him and he connects with me and we have this relationship going on, I'm a saint. So, there are really only two kinds of people in the world. There are the saints, and there ain't. Don't be an ain't. Be a saint. It's it's that easy to believe in Jesus, to trust in him, and to follow after him. The first seven verses that we've been introduced to, it's Paul's introduction into this letter. That's all. He hasn't even started the letter yet. He's just been setting up for the rest of this letter. One important thing to understand is that we can't work our way to God. We can't work our way, start earning grace. You know, you cannot do it. Uh, you, You can only listen to what God has already given us, the information God's given us, and live it out in our lives and that's how we build a relationship with God I have some exciting news for you you've got mail and this is it this letter is for us it's our mail from God through Paul and we get to study this over the next however long it takes to get through it but we get to study this and read it And apply it to our own lives. It isn't just a history lesson of what Paul did and what Paul was doing. It's not just a a history lesson. It's for us. It's something that we can apply. We are the called. In verse 5, Paul says that the church in Rome were the called. Well, we also are. We're called into a relationship with him. We're called to live out our faith revealing the grace that he's shown. And we're called to share our faith with others who don't know him. We're called. There's a lot we're called to do. With him we can do it all. Without him we can't do any of it. When when. You hear that term, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. A lot of times we apply that to, you know, I'm a football player. I can make that touchdown. I can do this. I can do that. Really, the way that verse is written is we can do all things he has called us to do. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he will give us not only the strength but the wisdom, the ability, everything that we need to accomplish his purposes. And so... This is going to be a great study for us because it's going to rebuild the foundation. We have a foundation. All of us as believers have a foundation in what we believe and why we believe it. We have that foundation. This goes in and if there's any weak spots in the foundation, any cracks in the foundation, this letter fills them in it it strengthens the foundation so that the rest of the structure can be strong too amen